I will uh, speak for uh, around enabling uh, these solutions and how we went about this. There are multiple things that we can do for the institution, but also for the community. And so trying out and, uh, and finding solutions really helps then the community in turn. So what have we learned about scalable and practical solutions to revive the economy and ultimately to make us better in while we face a pandemic? I think the key elements are to enhance safe environments and healthy people, screen for symptoms, test as much as we can, decrease the density of the population where we can, improve ventilation uh, in closed setting, uh, continue with physical distancing, and the key concept that really revolutionized the Western world is the concept of universal masking and eye protection outside of healthcare, and then, of course, hand hygiene. So the first example I want to give is uh, with the Scripps Institute of Oceanography. Uh, this institute is a part of UCSD, and it works on several research uh, projects. And uh, what I want to give is the example of uh, the ship cruises for scientific uh, missions. Uh, so SIO contacted uh, me early on in April uh, because everything was stopped, but they were starting to think about organizing continuing scientific missions. And shown here at the dock of the Nimitz Marine Facility in San Diego are two ships, one on your left is the Sally Ride, which is a relatively smaller ship uh, that carries about 35 people, uh, and that is used for short-term missions uh, at a maximum of 14 days. And then on your right is the Raja Revelle, which is a larger ship which they use for long-term missions. These missions are funded by uh, the National Academy of Sciences. And so these are very, very large, expensive projects that clearly want to be successful and safe. And so let's start with the first one, which is Sally Ride. The Sally Ride is a smaller boat, as I said, contains uh, can contain up to 35 people. Uh, it is used for short missions from 2 to 14 days. And so what was key here was to keep the environment safe so that these research missions could be completed, right? But in the event of an emergency, we could always come back to port relatively quickly because these were not uh, missions in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So what we decided here was that the staff uh, and the scientists on these missions were coming from the U.S. Uh, and so not from abroad. Uh, and so we thought about a 14-day period of quarantine 
that would occur before boarding, that was structured in two parts. The first one was an eight, eight days shelter in place at home, followed by another six days of self-isolation in a hotel room provided by the SIO in San Diego before boarding the ship. And the key was the first eight days, uh, the persons were going to get tested uh, on day one of the shelter in place at home, isolation, and the day before they were leaving. and then they would take their plane uh, or their car and and get to San Diego. Then afterwards, it was followed by another six days of self-isolation in the hotel. And when they arrive upon arrival to San Diego, they would be tested on day nine of the 14 days period. And then on day 13 before uh, getting on the ship. And clearly, all of these tests needed to be negative before anybody can board the ship. And then once on the ship, we continued uh, isolation, uh, everyone wearing a mask and continued um, physical distancing as much as possible. And um, for instance, the uh, eating Uh, was done in shifts so that uh, less people could be together, so to avoid. And this uh, started in uh, August and has been going on since without a problem, and it was very successful. Now, the second one is the Roger Revel, and that has just started uh, now, a week ago, and they are now... uh, heading towards uh, the uh, western part of the Pacific. So the Roger Revel is for long missions up to 68 days, and that is currently the mission that they're set. They will return to port uh, in December. So there we decided that there was much more at stake. Um, If anything happened and they were in the middle of the Pacific, uh, they could not be accessed with a helicopter. And so we really wanted to make sure that the 60-some people on this boat would be safe. So we decided that for them, self-isolation in a hotel room provided by SIO for 14 days before boarding was going to be the plan. And uh, we tested them on day one and day 13, all must be negative on the ship. And here, because the... Um, the trip was so long, we decided that because there wasn't any um, outer influence coming in to the ship, that after 14 days of isolation on the boat, uh, we could at least ease some of the restrictions, so have them eat uh, together uh, and, um, and simply be less um, isolated from one another on the same ship. And up to now, things are going well. The last example I'm going to give is what we did at UC San Diego Health. We decided very early on that we wanted to give a healthy uh, environment also for our healthcare worker force, but also for our patients. 
we wanted them to feel that they were safe when they came in for procedures that they needed because we knew that a lot of procedures had been canceled and a lot of patients were not coming into care and not getting very needed care, necessary care, because they were so afraid to get sick. So what we used was clearly symptom screening, but also we decided very early on that we would test uh, very, very liberally. And then that we would also widen this to the community around us. Currently, and since uh, April, we test all individuals with any symptom of, of COVID, even um, a headache or um, loss of sense of smell and taste. We test asymptomatic individuals that are at risk for COVID. We test healthcare workers with a work or household exposure. We test all patients who are transferred from another hospital or a skilled nursing facility. We test all patients before the elective surgery or procedures and all patients upon admission to the hospital. Uh, in addition to that, we test asymptomatic healthcare workers. We started the program in the spring and tested over 9,000 of our healthcare workers to establish the asymptomatic rate and to uh, give confidence. And now we offer more than 1,000 tests per week to all of our healthcare worker force. Uh, this is going through a um, kind of a, um, a, a roll around uh, so that everybody can get tested on a regular basis. And we've decided that uh, we will test all healthcare workers voluntarily, of course, uh, every 12 to 14 days. So th this slide is a busy slide, but it goes to tell you our experience at UCSD. And so in the first panel here, you can see all of the asymptomatic testing, symptomatic testing, uh, positive results in our health science employees, in our campus employees, and in our students on campus. And as you can see, we've tested more than 60,000 individuals uh, up to a week ago. Now, these were asymptomatic individuals. We also have tested quite a bit of symptomatic individuals, both in the health system and on campus. And as you can see here, our rates of positivity over time have been really quite low, particularly in the student and campus employees, because as you can see, the majority of these tests are done in the asymptomatic workforce and students. So this slide here on the right shows you basically the rate of positivity in yellow. And as you can see, we had our first increase in March when our testing availability was really low. And then our second wave was in uh, July and we're experiencing now a third wave. But the point I want to make here is 
you can see here in green how the testing availability has increased over time. And this has made it that our rate of positivity is extremely low. And therefore, this has also had an influence on the county numbers. Because clearly, because we're testing so much and so many people are getting testing, the county also rate of positivity is lower. And that has provided at least a reprieve in the measures, in the public health measures needed. So in the, in the various tiers that start public measures. And so that has really helped the region in uh, keeping us in lower tiers with heavy public health measures, but not in total lockdown. So what is the picture in conclusion? I think that the key essence here is that we still are in a pandemic and without available vaccines, although we heard today the very good news that the Pfizer vaccine is, looks very promising, uh, is that we have to continue non-pharmaceutical interventions uh, until the population can be vaccinated. And so these are what I discussed in the past slides, but basically we can continue doing that in, in all the settings, taking the example of the successes we've had in these settings. For instance, we can continue these measures in, the, in schools and in public schools and we have collaborations in public schools with testing so that we can provide testing in populations who have, first of all, not the means, but also no access or lower access to testing. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.